It's that time of the week for the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs, an exclusive home of Cubs checking open online today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. As always, Elise Menneker is here, Cubs reporters, Tony Andraki and Andy Martinez. Guys, good to see you. Are you ready for the trivia question? We're diving right in. Yes, let's go. Well, let's do it. <laughs> you guys seem thrilled. Okay, here we go. <laughs> With the All-Star game coming up, we have an All-Star related question. How many Cubs have homered in the All-Star game since 2000? Since 2000. Uh, well, Chris Bryant. Yeah. That okay. was the first one that came to mind. I was going to say, these are all names that like you will, that you'll just be like, oh yeah. Chris Bryant off of Chris Sale. Do I get bonus points for the pitcher? Oh, nice job. Yeah. Nice. The game where everything's made up and the points don't matter. We're not first inning too. Whose line is it anyway? What? It was a first inning home run too, if I remember correctly. I don't right? even remember. So you get double know. double bonus or whatever. Yeah. I could be totally wrong. It was like a six <laughs> inning. All right, Andy, I'm up two zero on you right now. I got the player and the pitcher. Uh, One, um, I mean, you know him. You watch him. Contreras. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then one go a little bit, go a little bit further back. Sosa. Yes, but no. So, so is there only one other one? Yes, since, okay. since 2000. All right, so KB and Wilson. Yes. Uh, um, outfielder. Soriano? Uh, yeah. Oh, great call. Nice job. Look at us with the trivia. Um, in all, there have been nine Cubs players to homer in an all-star game. So you have other guys, like just to name a few, Billy Williams, Andre Dawson, Ernie Banks, and then the few that we mentioned, a few more after that. But I'm feeling good. Look at that. Starting the show off with some trivia. I think that was our best performance. Yeah, I think so too. See, you don't want me involved. You need me asking the questions. (laughs) That's how we have to do it. Um, The second the trivia comes up, you're like, does Ian Happ play for the Cubs? I can't remember. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, what? What day is it? What are we doing? Um, But nice job. And to start things off, actually, I'm really excited. This year, we have uh, some all-stars on the Cubs. And there's two going, Ian Happ and Wilson Contreras. And both guys, I mean, Wilson Contreras now a three-time all-star. Ian Happ going to his first all-star game and have really different journeys to get there. And so that's kind of what we're going to highlight and talk about is we've been able to hear from the guys uh, leading up to this game. So Andy, I'll start with you and just kind of what sticks out to you. We'll start with Ian Happ as he's going to his first all-star game and um, what that means to him. Yeah, that was, that was a, a really cool heartwarming story too. Just how David Ross did it too, where, you know, Ian Happ had asked him, you know, Hey, if I get on the all-star team, don't call a team meeting. Cause I'm going <laughs> to, you know, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to start crying. And what does David Ross do? He calls a team meeting and lets everyone know that Ian Happ's an all-star uh, you know, that, that was a really, really fun story in and of itself, but you know, it, it, just think about where he was even 12 months ago, right. You know, he, he, he was a bench player. Uh, that's what he was at, at this time, 12 months ago. Um, he was, he was a bench player. He wasn't, you know, he was behind Rafael Ortega. He was behind Jack Peterson, Chris Bryant, Jason Hayward, a bunch of guys, you know, that, that, you know, are either aren't with the team anymore or are on the injured list, whatever. Um, and after the trade deadline, David Ross said, you're getting an extended window. And that mental, you know, that mental switch, you know, allowed him to have the success in the second half. But then what was even more impressive was for him to come back and do it. Uh, if you think about it too, remember he started spring training a little slow. He had had a little procedure done in the off season during the lockout. Uh, and there was the arm injury and, you know, he was going to be DHing at, at times to start and his spring training was a little slow. And we've seen other guys who have had 
you know, Frank Schwindel had a step back and we've seen, you know, some setbacks this season. Ian Happ has stayed consistent, has played almost every single day. Uh, and, and he's played at an all-star level. And Rick Sutcliffe was the first guy I heard mention this in spring training saying, you know, he's going to be an all-star to see him go out and do it is, is really, really cool. And really, really special for the, for the Cubs and for Ian Happ. Yeah. And I think the best part of the story, at least my favorite part of it is just looking at the, the dichotomy of where Ian Happ was on mid July last season to where he is now. And the, the transformation over 12 months at the all-star break last year, he was hitting below 180. And he was struggling. He wasn't playing all the time. Um, you know, at the, at that point, the Cubs had Jock Peterson, Chris Bryant, Jake Marisnik, Jason Hayward, all playing in the outfield. So there wasn't a ton of time for Hap, you know, even though he started the season as the leadoff hitter and, and center field there for the team. Um, yeah, you know, things obviously changed from there in the last two months of the season. We know what happened. And this year, like you said, Andy, he's been so consistent. I thought it was really cool, though, in talking Wednesday as, as Hap met with the media, he mentioned Jason Hayward in specific for a guy that helped him out, a guy that helped navigate the, the highs and lows and the mental aspect of it all. And I thought that was really nice because it, it gave us another snapshot of what Hayward's impact is in that clubhouse. And we know on the field, you know, even he hasn't performed the way that he would have liked to. But in that clubhouse, he is this extremely valuable, respected voice for so many different players. And for Hap to call out Hayward and explain, you know, like he helped me get to this point. And he was one, the one guy in kind of specific that Hap mentioned by name. I thought that was really cool. And I thought that was a nice moment from Hap to, to do that as well. And um, just again, shows the impact of, of Hayward, but shows the impact of what other guys can do to help players reach their potential. It's not just coaches. It's not just, you know, uh, instructors coming up through the minor leagues or, you know, front office members giving them opportunities. Sometimes it's your teammate that can be a, a huge help. And I think that's what we saw from Hayward and Happ, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I think um, both of you bring up just a lot of the highlights um, and even how the lowlights kind of shaped him into the player he is today. And that's kind of, for me, like what sticks out about his journey. When he was uh, talking after the game Sunday in L.A., he pointed out how it was that series last year um, that he got the news that, Andy, you were talking about, like, hey, we're going to, you know, kind of sit you for a little bit and your numbers are down and, and we're going to just kind of, um, you know, uh, Put you in there more sporadically basically and and you won't be really an everyday player and he said that was tough like that was tough to hear and I actually went back because I was curious then what his numbers were around that time and um in June of that month they they play the Dodgers late June of last year um and so June of that month he was hitting 115 a 193 on base and a 250 slug um, and kind of that season leading up to it um hitting just 182 a 299 on base and a 333 slug I only bring those numbers up to show how far he's come and all the improvements he's made in the strides. Cause to me, that's what this game is about. You're going to struggle. You, we always say, you know, it's a game of failure. Um, and that's why I looked it up and, and keep in mind, let's even go back a little further, 2019, where he's playing in Iowa. He's in AAA for a few months. Um, and that's not that long ago. Um, and cause even throwing there 2020, which wasn't a full season, a good season for him, but, um, not a full season. And so, uh, I, I love stories like this. I love the stories where someone 
has, you know, the struggles and they rise above it more than anything beyond the numbers. You can tell with Hap as he keeps talking about it, the confidence that was so important to believe in himself, um, to never doubt himself and to know that the talent was in there. And he just had to kind of like uh, focus on that and getting the consistent playing time as Andy, you referenced in the second half of last year was, you know, critical for his game and but something that an opportunity he took advantage of um and took that into the offseason and has you know obviously played to all-star level now and andy i know what do you, you want i know you want to say something andy yeah i got a point yeah and <laughs> you mentioned it. that point where he uh you know he, he he was told in los angeles last season that you know he was going to be a bench player and you know he, he mentioned you you know he was crying then in la and obviously then this year he's crying because he's an all-star the the contrasting you know uh, you mentioned one year to the next but then uh, you know I went back and looked too you mentioned it that series in LA that first game of, of that series in LA everyone remembers it right it's a no hitter Zach Davies Ryan Spare Andrew Chafin Craig Kimbrell the highlight arguably of that of that whole last season was was in LA that game Ian Happ did not play that game you know he did not see the field you know this great moment for the team there in first place you know everything's going high and he didn't even see the field you know that was just like to me, that was like all encompassing too, where it's like, you know, everything's going great. And here you are on the bench, the, the best moment of the season. You don't even see the field. That's got to be really tough to turn around and come back. And then, you know, the, the next year in LA, you're, you're an all-star, you're coming back to LA as, a, as an all-star here in a week or so. Uh, it, it's got to be super rewarding for him and, and, and just his journey. Yeah, I'm with you. And, and I, that's why that series in particular stuck out to me because he brought it up um, when he spoke after and the emotion that he described that surrounded it and how um, you compare it to what he was feeling then um, Sunday in reference to, you know, that same series uh, last year. And like he said, around the same time. Um, so I think it's like a lot, of, it's a, it's a really good lesson for a lot of young kids out there too, um, that you're going to struggle, but you know, you just kind of have to keep believing in yourself and he put in the work. It wasn't just, you know, it didn't, he, he put in the work as we've seen big improvements to his right-handed swing, everything. So, um, really great story. Another great story is Wilson Contreras, um, has had a really nice season, another one. And, um, man, to think about, you know, even where baseball started for him in Venezuela, to now and that for me is is the best part of just his whole journey um but andy you know what kind of sticks out to you when you think about uh Contreras this season and, and leading up to it yeah i think we see that we've seen the best version of wilson Contreras just with the addition of Jan Gomes, with PJ Higgins, with the DH, just the, the the combination of everything, and you know Ross had alluded to it, and we saw it last year, right? Where you know it seemed like every every week they're bringing in a new backup, and the backup would get hurt. Like I remember, like finally it seemed like Jose Lobaton was the backup at one point last year, and then he gets hurt trying to leg out a a, a single in Milwaukee, if I remember correctly, uh, and then and then you know they finally get Robinson Torinos at the back end of the year. Well, that was like, oh, that was kind of their, their, their backup. But Wilson was playing like every single day, night, night, night game, day game. He was playing uh, after a road trip, he was playing like that just wears on your body. And now we're seeing, you know, even his outs are loud and hard, right? Like he's hitting it, you know, 110 to second base and or to short, whatever. And he's, he's making it out or he's hitting it to opposite field. Like he is just a complete player right now. And that's been a, a boom to the Cubs offense. You know, just his, his productivity and his, his ability to stay healthy and stay on the field has meant a world and to the Cubs. And we see what he can produce on a nightly basis when he is, you know, allowed to rest and allowed to not, you know, go back there and catch every single day. Yeah, and I'm just so impressed, too, with his 
he came into spring training talking about how he wanted to block out the noise and all the potential trade deadline talk or what's going on with his future. And it's uncertain. Is he going to sign an extension? Whatever. He saw a bunch of his teammates, his world series champion teammates go through the same thing last year. He learned from that. He spent off season preparing himself mentally. And we've seen that there's like this sense of validation or like maybe even vindication that comes from the way that he prepared himself mentally. It goes back to everything you guys just said about physically and the way he's played on the field. And even going back to like Venezuela and playing with his brother, like that's great. But like he's, we're seeing the maturity and the actual like, it's like the self-actualization of what Wilson Contreras can be as a player this year, because everything seems to be aligned. His, you know, his mental, uh, the mental side is, is fitting up with the physical side. He's able to get time off the DH, you know, all these things. It's fantastic. And then throw in the fact that his brother is going to be starting the all-star game. And I really hope that, you know, those two guys are hitting back to back and Maybe go back to back, you know, to go back to our trivia question. Wilson Contreras becomes the, the next Cub to hit a home run in the All-Star <laughs> yeah. game. But, like, that would be such a cool moment for those two to be back to back in a lineup and maybe even to produce back to back in an All-Star game because a month ago it didn't seem like a possibility. And then, you know, Will, William Contreras and Bryce Harper were the finalists for the DH by the National League. Then you're like, oh, well, Bryce Harper's out for a few weeks. Like, it's going to be Will, William Contreras. Sure enough, it is like it's just such a cool story. And Elise and Andy, I know you guys were both there when we talked to Wilson about it a couple of days ago. But like, I think that was the big focus is like Wilson and William, their relationship, how far they've come and how much it means to more than just Wilson or even William individually, how much it means to their family. I think that's yeah. such a cool, like off field aspect of this entire all star journey. Yeah, you hit exactly what I was going to talk about that. Um, no doubt a lot of what he had to say the other day was about his family, about his brother, and in part um, too, like adding on to almost the stuff happening off the field is that his family's here now. Yep. United States. And that he said was a big release for him. And so I think you can tell like on the field, how that translates, getting to see his brother succeed, getting to see his family here in the States and they'll go to the all-star game, he said. And so um, I, I think it's been really cool to watch Contreras, like basically grow over even like the last few years. Um, and with David Ross becoming manager and you would, you thought like, Oh, okay. The catcher relationship, he even played with him, like how all of that would kind of go together. And so, um, yeah. And I love too when the other day he talked about, um, he remembers playing on the back patio with William in Venezuela and they were playing with like plastic balls. Like you could envision like kind of wiffle balls or even said they would take paper to create balls and stuff. And so to think about like, um, his humble beginnings to where he is now and for his entire family, not just him, you have to think, I mean, he says over and over again, how proud he is of his brother and um, the emotion that always comes with that when he talks about him. And so um, you really get the sense of not just what this all-star game means to Wilson Contreras as a player, but what it means to him as a person. And I think that probably is what makes this one really special for him is at least the vibe that we're getting. I, of course, getting to share it with his brother and his family, but that's kind of, to me, like the whole, the whole thing for him and will be such a memorable experience. So I'm excited to see them there. Well-deserving guys. They played really well this season and have uh, gone through a lot to, to get to this point uh, before the all-star game, the Cubs will round things out with the Mets and um, they just played a couple against the Orioles and the Orioles are hot. They're uh, just one, two against the Cubs that made 10 wins in a row for them. Uh, not getting easier. Like I said, before the all-star break, but it's interesting because you look at the Orioles and this is a team that's rebuilding. And right now they're obviously playing really well. 
Um, and so when you look at the Orioles, Tony, just are, what are maybe some of the similarities and differences that you see in the Cubs um, as we look at their kind of uh, retooling their team? Yeah, you know, I, I, it's funny because I feel like it's so natural that you see a team like the Orioles coming to town and where they're at, where the Cubs are at. It's like, oh, you know, what can each team learn from the other as they go through the rebuild or retool or whatever anybody wants to call it. But it's also funny because, like, I feel like the Orioles are playing good, you know, just after Wednesday's win and the sweep of the Cubs, they're above 500. But, like, they're not a great example for what the Cubs should be doing in so many different ways. In large part is, like, this list. Robinson Chirinos, Rugnet Odor, Jordan Lyles, Rico Garcia. That was like the Orioles free agent hall last year. So they're doing well right now, but a lot of it is from guys that they've acquired, you know, off the scrap heap, like waiver claims or, um, you know, guys that were like in the double digit teens draft picks. Like they drafted really well over the last few years, but they have like top prospects like Adley Rushman up and, and guys like Cedric Mullins, who I think was like a 13th round pick is really come to his own, but yeah, you know, it's, it's not like they've gone out and spent a bunch of money. They have a $64 million payroll, but $23 million of that is going to Chris Davis, who's not even playing. So it's like it's it's two teams at very different points. And, you know, obviously the Cubs hope that at some point they're where the Orioles are, but it's not going to be the same path. It, it never I feel like it, it's just it's not even going to come close to the same path in the sense that, like, the Cubs have, have tried to spend money already in free agency. We saw with Stroman and Suzuki. But I think certainly what the Cubs hope for looking from the Orioles is that a lot of their young players or guys coming up through the system continue to play well. And some of the guys similar to the Orioles that they picked up, you know, off waivers, like a Frank Schwindel or whatever, continue to ascend and, and become bigger parts of this lineup or this rotation or this bullpen. So I think that's kind of the takeaway from from watching the Cubs play the Orioles and then just the hope that like, hey, at some point this clicks as a team and the Cubs are rattling off a 10 game winning streak and they're doing the same kind of thing. And people are talking about them like, Oh, what can, what can the Marlins or what can another team who may be going through a rebuild, the nationals look from the Cubs. I think that's, that's the example the Cubs want to send. That's what David Ross wants to do. But right now the Cubs are like so focused on, on what they're trying to do in this organization. Yeah. And to that point too, you know, like there's, there's been a lot of misses on the Orioles part too, like the Manny Machado trade, mm. uh, you know, that's, potentially a future hall of famer that they dealt in I believe it was 17 or 18 um, for to the Dodgers. And, you know, none of those prospects really, yeah, I think uh, creamer uh, the pitcher was about the only one that's uh, actually come out and played meaningful games for, for the Orioles, you know uh, it's tough to, to land those, those deals, but you look at what the, the early returns for the Cubs on some of the deals they made last year, you know, Caleb Killian is looking, you know, one of the top prospects, Pete Crow Armstrong, uh, arguably, you know, the number one prospect for the Cubs, you know, for, for two months of hobby bios, that's, that's crucial. That's something that, you know, the Orioles does, didn't necessarily do with many Machado, but the Cubs were able to, to at least early on and early returns uh, have been able to, to nail the, the trades of, of their big name players. Yeah. I think basically you guys have hit on like things like some of my thoughts, like pieces of that. And that is, um, I think there are some comparisons, um, in that, you know, I, I look back to the, the Cubs leading up to 2016. Um, and I think the Orioles are contenders earlier than people thought, which is how kind of like the Cubs trended. And I think Tony is like, you were hitting on, um, 
to get to that point, it means you're drafting players and doing a good job at developing them. And the Cubs have proven that they can, you know, follow a similar format um, as well in drafting and developing players. And then I think uh, some of the differences are, are just that right now you have, uh, you can see the pieces on the Cubs on their current Cubs team. Like you said, signing a Suzuki, you could look long-term at guys like Nico Horner, Justin Steele, uh, Keegan Thompson. And so they already have some of the foundational pieces there at the big league level and now it's just about um, adding some of those guys which we even saw in the offseason like you mentioned Stroven or David Robertson or even throwing a Michael Givens or Chris Martin at the time what looked like um, you know you haven't just seen these guys a lot but like a Cody, Cody Hoyer and a Nick Madrigal obviously they've um, faced their injuries but um, you know still you know you look forward to seeing Madrigal back out on the field and uh, I think those are just some of the similarities and differences that I see depending on, you know, which, you know, I look at the Cubs leading up to their World Series run in 2016, how there could be some similarities with the Orioles and how right now they're still in a little bit different situations, um, but you see kind of how they set up. So um, interesting stuff to keep an eye on. Um, you know, you like to, to see it around the league. And so on that note, coming back, we're going to kind of still talk some some all-star festivities uh, and some Cubs news, so don't go anywhere. We'll be back after this break. We know you love Chicago. You devour the pizza, admire Chicago's skyline, and cheer on Chicago sports teams, especially the Cubs. If you wanted to live in a more boring place, you'd live in St. Louis. Why not bank with Chicago's bank, too? Upgrade your wallet with an exclusive Wintrust Cubs debit card, which you can get when you open a Wintrust Cubs checking account. Show your Cubs pride and open an account at Wintrust.com Cubs. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Back here on the Cubs Weekly Podcast, Elise Meneker, Tony Andraki, Andy Martinez, and guys, um, the news, the injury news, unfortunately, just keeps coming for the Cubs. And Tony, I know that uh, you were at the ballpark when we heard word about Kyle Hendricks and how he will be shut down for a couple of weeks. So first, kind of get us up to speed on that and exactly what was said. Yeah, so, you know, after going through the MRI and, and the Cubs met with Hendricks earlier in the week in the homestand after they got back from L.A., he's going to be shut down from throwing for two to three weeks, which means not even playing catch, uh, not getting off a mound, nothing. So you expect that's probably the end of July. Uh, even if everything's going well from that shoulder injury and soreness and tightness and inflammation that he's had there, even if things are good from there, it would take him a while to build back up after roughly a month off. So I don't know, you know, exactly how long it would be, but like realistic projection is probably a best case scenario. September 1st is when he comes back to the rotation um that's just conjecture based off of everything we're seeing because it to build a starting pitcher back up it would take three or four weeks and if they wanted him to go on rehab stints and so on so yeah we probably will not see Kyle Hendricks again before September and even at that point I think you know there's a possibility that we may have seen the last of Hendricks this season and not trying to be you know hyperbolic or pessimistic or anything but you know Hendricks pitching last season in after the trade deadline, he admitted that that was a, a tough uh, task for him mentally to kind of get used to and, and get adjusted to. And the same thing is going to be happening. Like right now, the Cubs are 20 games under 500, even before the trade deadline. So what team he comes back to, we're not quite sure what it looks like. And then if he's not 100% healthy, I don't know what, why push him. So I do think there's a possibility that, you know, if there's a setback at all, that we may not even see Hendricks for the rest of this year. And, and it may, may make more sense for him to 
just like rest that shoulder make sure that he's good to go for next season. Now, maybe the two to three weeks off is great. Maybe he does come back and he's able to build up relatively quickly and we see him in, you know, late August, early September. But, you know, even then it would probably only be a matter of like five starts or so. So I think there's a lot that the Cubs need to weigh. Um, but in the interim, for sure, we're going to go the next month, month and a half without seeing Hendricks. And I think this creates another, you know, window for some of the young guys, right. To, to, to be able to prove that, Hey, you know, we saw what Keegan Thompson did, right. Where he, when the team broke camp, he was their, their multi-inning reliever and he was great at it, you know, two, three inning stints. He was, he was phenomenal in that, in that role. Uh, and that earned him a spot in the rotation. We've seen what he's done in the rotation. He's been a, a great piece for the Cubs in the rotation. Justin Steele, you know, we've seen what he's done in the rotation. Um, now, you know, you hope that, you know, in the time that Hendricks is, is rested, uh, Marcus Stroman and Drew Smiley and Wade Miley get built up and, and they, they you know, get back to where they – to what the Cubs hope from them. Um, that creates opportunities, you know, maybe does Caleb Killian maybe get another look or maybe do they give him a long, long relief option, kind of like what Keegan did, things like that. You know, it opens up the opportunity for these guys where, you know, you don't have to worry about, you know, all oh, making a spot start and, you know, I got to pitch perfectly and, and maybe I'll get another look as a mosaic. You don't have to worry about that when, when in this situation, that's the hope. I mean, we've seen even like Adrian Sampson, what he's done in his, and, you know, it was, you know, almost like an emergency thing and, and he, he comes up and he's been, he's been a really good starter for the Cubs and as since he's come up that that's what you hope uh, some of these young guys that maybe get a look in the rotation now uh, can do with the opportunity. Yeah, I think is my first thought was like, oh man, like another blow to the rotation because, you know, a lot of uh, what we talked about this year is how we've never really seen the rotation um, as envisioned going into this season, like pitching together uh, one through five. And so um, with that said though, and I thought Ross uh, made an interesting point that Andy, you were hitting on is because I think, I, I don't remember the question that he was asked specifically, but it was along the lines of, you know, not having guys who aren't healthy in the rotation. And he said, you know, um, Ross is, is very much, uh, you know, an optimistic person. And he always kind of, um, like tries to see the right now and not go back and think like, you know, what if or anything. And, um, I thought he made a good point of saying where if guys, you know, if you do have your rotation all season long, you don't get looks at like a Keegan Thompson was the name he used mm -hmm. that I think sticks out the most that you don't um, slot him into to that spot and get to see what he can do as a starter. So, I think that, you know, I'm with you that I'm very much like Ross, where I always think of the game is you just got to deal with, with what you're dealt. That's, that's all you can do. That's how you have to play the game. And so, um, while it is, it's, it was tough news to hear that about Hendricks, uh, and kind of Tony too, what you were talking about is, uh, I remember in New York, um, when he was kind of dealing with some stuff, he had mentioned to me just um, with the lockout going into this season and the disjointedness of it and going then even back to 2020, how there could still be some layover there because you really haven't had that much consistency in the last few years and how he, you know, once he said, once you kind of get into the groove and the rhythm of the season, you just kind of go, but um, that's with, you felt like, you know, the, the typical or the regular ramp up. So um, who knows uh, what has led to everything. It was tough news to hear. And so you hope the best for him and no one um, more than him wants to be out there. So you hope to see him back there this season. Um, in other news, as we transition back to the all-star break stuff, the home run derby. Now the home run derby, I I'm going to assume you guys agree. It's always one of the more fun parts of, you yeah. know, the whole week, right? You oh, love yeah. it. This year, man, the names that you have in the derby, 
I'm going to go through them. Okay. Albert Pujols, Pete Alonzo, Ronald Acuna Jr., Juan Soto, Kyle Schwerber, Julio Rodriguez, uh, and Jose Ramirez. I mean, these, these are some of the stars in the game as it usually is, but I don't know this year it just feels Tony, like who, who's going to win is, is Alonzo going to three Pete? I think he has a good chance. Yeah, I think he does. I mean, Schwarber's made for it as well. Like, yeah. he and, uh, was it Bryce Harper that he went up against a couple of years ago? That was such yeah. a great show that Schwarber and Harper put on. Julio Rodriguez has been like one of baseball's best players and young phenoms, like most exciting players. Acuna, you know, after coming back from that knee injury, like he's out there. And then Pools. Pools is going to be the guy that like, yeah. I feel like I'm going to be watching a bunch. Like, <laughs> I don't know how many homers he's going to hit. You know, he's he's obviously so much older than the rest of the field. But I think it's just so cool to see him back out there, you know, participating in something like this. And I, what a great story that would be if he ends up like winning it, you know, his yeah. veteran expertise. Like Absolutely. So in, in a weird way, I feel like I'm going to be cheering for pools and cheering totally. that narrative and storyline. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I, I love the pools angle. You know, I think it's phenomenal. You know, last season, you know, getting the, getting, I mean, he's the, he's the active home run leader right now. I mean, you know, as dominant as a player as we've seen, you know, on the, on the cusp of 700, hopefully he can get there before the end of the season. That'd be another cool storyline for his career. But like, I'm really excited to see Juan Soto. Like, I mean, he's probably one of the most exciting players to, to watch in baseball. Uh, you know, sometimes I think it's forgotten just, you know, with the national struggling and, and, you know, the, the other behemoths in the, in the division with like the Mets and, and the Braves and stuff like that. But Juan Soto is going to be super exciting to watch Acuna. Like you mentioned, Tony coming off the injury, uh, he can hit him, as, you know, I mean, he was almost a 40, 40 guy a couple of seasons ago. Like he's just an electrifying, electrifying player to watch. And then don't forget Pete Alonzo with his, I think the key in the home run derby is who's throwing the ball, right? Like you want the, yeah. you want every pitch to be perfect. And if you got, I don't know if you guys remember, but it, I think it was the last year's home run derby, Pete Alonzo's, uh, Pete Alonzo's pitcher, his heat map, all the pitches were in the same exact spot, top of the zone. And that allowed Pete Alonzo to, to win the thing. So, you know, that that's kind of an advantage. We'll see if that helps him go for the three P, but what an absolutely loaded field. And I'm, I'm just excited to watch all these guys, you know, hit it as far as they can. Yeah. And even I was talking to Ian Happ the other day and he was like, I mean, how about the home run derby? You know, yeah. he's like, I'm excited for the all-star game. He's like, I can't wait to watch the home run derby. And I think we're all, we're all feeling what he is uh, because of the names. Like I'm, I'm looking forward to honestly, Pete Alonzo three-peating. I love yeah. the, the uh, Pujols story, all of this stuff that you guys are saying. Yes. And I think I just want to see like, can he keep doing it? I mean, he's yeah. so good. The home run derby is like different, right? That's why guys sometimes even maybe don't want to participate, um, not just for the rest, but also because you kind of change your swing a little bit. I mean, cause you're just in launch mode. Yeah. Um, so I think it should be, yeah, really cool. Really fun. Like even the names, honestly, we can just go through the list again. Like you guys highlighted a Schwarber Rodriguez, um, but maybe you have someone like a Ramirez because of all the names. Yeah. You don't even, you know, hear him talk about a lot. Uh, but it, that, that should be, um, a lot of fun to see. It's been a fun week. This is the time where, as we wrap up the pod, we have our stories of the week. So Tony, I'll start with you, whether it's a story that we had, you know, this week or coming up that you foresee, what is something that you have enjoyed? My favorite thing has been, uh, Justin Steele becoming a dad. 
But you not stole only, mine. Not, sorry, not <laughs> only that, I'm going to take a different angle that oh. you're not taking. Yeah. Not just that, but how he prepared for that. Like, what was it, the Instagram, Andy, that he sent out that was like the makeshift bed, then the TV and his Xbox. So he's playing video games as his fiance was about to give birth. Or I missed it. This is on his Instagram? Yeah. yeah. So like, <laughs> I did not see that. <laughs> Andy and I were cracking up about that. And then we were talking in the clubhouse the other day when Steele came back and we we're like, what was he playing? And we're like, oh, we don't know. So we went up and asked him. And he's like, yeah, you know, MLB the show. I was playing. Uh, it was MLB the show. What was the other one, Andy? Rocket League. Rocket League. And I was like, did you play with yourself in the, in the show? And he was like, yeah, definitely. I got a 99 card, you know, and so I was pitching as myself. So I was just thinking about Justin Steele pitching as himself on MLB the show as you know, a few feet away from him, his fiance is starting to go into labor and then his son's born on his birthday, like all these different things. I was like, that's incredible that he was playing video games as himself, as his son. Like it was, it was great. It, it just like made me laugh and smile all week. And it was like, it was one of those things. It's like baseball players. They're just like us. But like, I don't think, I don't know anybody else who's been in the delivery room as like, you know, about to become a dad playing video games. So it was themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty good. And I will say he did mention it. He like highlighted when I asked him about like what games he was playing. He's like, I only did it when she was sleeping. So it was only like while she was sleeping. It's smart you know, man. She's not she's not giving birth and he's over here like you know trying to strike yeah. out the side. Like, oh, he's, done. One more out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the ninth <laughs> inning. Uh, no, yeah. Yeah, that was that was really, really that was an awesome story to, to to highlight, you know, coming back from from the day off. Uh, for me, I'm I'm most looking forward to this next week, but just the all-star festivities and seeing William and Wilson and seeing Ian Happ and seeing the home run derby. There's just it, it's gonna be a really great all-star game, uh, a really great all-star week. a uh, couple you know, a couple of days before that, you've got the draft. It's just a, a crazy busy time for for baseball. And, and I think we're really gonna see the stars of baseball shine um this week. I was really glad to see Ian Happ uh get into the to the all-star game because sometimes you know, I, I remembered it last year where, you know, Brian Reynolds and Adam Frazier were playing at all-star levels, but they were playing with the Pirates and you're like, man, I hope they get in because they deserve it. And they got in and kind of, I kind of felt the same way for Ian Happ. It's like you watch him every single day and you're like, this is an all-star. Like he is playing at this level to see him get rewarded, to see the rest of the baseball world get to see Ian Happ play at this level. Uh, he did mention, you know, he's like, I think I'm going to face some nasty reliever from the AL. Uh, you know, he'll probably get to face someone like Emmanuel Classe or something, someone crazy like that. But it's just going to be so much fun to, to see all these guys and, and see Ian Happ experience it for the first time, for sure. And also the fashion that comes yes. along with it. The red I carpet. Yeah, he wouldn't really actually give any details. He said, maybe I'll have some cool cleats, but wanted to, you know, he was working on it. So he'd already been thinking about it. And so we will see. Because um, I even said, you know, during these games, you, you have cool cleats, cool designs. Um, so I, I look forward to that as well. My story was the Justin Steele, the birth of his baby boy, uh, the name too. I love the story uh, around that. So his boy's name is Bo Brooks Steele. And he said that before they had named him, they were still deciding on a name. He said um, he liked Bo or it was Walker, right? Am I remembering yep. that? Yeah, Bo or Walker. He said uh, his fiance Libby liked six other names, but she would ultimately have the final say. And so it looks like they agreed. <laughs> they obviously agreed on Bo. Um, I was hoping for Keegan. I, I was just going to say. That was a great story too. That was a great story. Keegan was pitching 
And that day he texts Keegan and says, if you pitch well tonight, my baby is born. Maybe I'll name him Keegan. And it's funny. I mentioned to Keegan, he had forgot. I was like, was that, he's like, oh, I forgot that that happened. And so he's like, oh yeah, that was, that was pretty, I was like, are you mad? He's like, no, like we're all good. <laughs> kind of joking with him. Um, but you can see that's how much these guys have on their mind. They're all got their things going on, but uh, love that. So welcome to the family, Bo. And um, this was fun. Looking forward to the All-Star game. We'll, we'll kind of regroup after that and um, talk next week. So until then, that'll do it for this edition of the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust. Don't forget to download and subscribe to the pod on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Check us out in video form on the Marquee Sports Network app and YouTube. For Tony Andraki and Andy Martinez, I'm Elise Menneker. We'll see you guys next week. Bye.